Tarkir, a plane of tumultuous violence. Its history has been written and rewritten, forged in dragonfire and cast in blood. It has at times been a land of soaring winged beasts, at times a land of duplicitous cons, but always a land roiled by ambition's consequence. In a time now lost, Tarkir's dragons died out, and from their bones arose five great clans, whose cons carved the plain with fortunes shifting as desert sands. Conflict was constant between them, connivance rare. The cons moved against another to claim land and glory. Their character, their conviction, and their reverence towards the ancient form of the dragon shaped the Khanites under their rule, bestowing upon each clan a distinct worldview, unique strengths, and unforeseen weaknesses. One such clan embraced the dragon's speed, symbolized by its beating wings. Swiftness reigned supreme in the dangerous, desolate steppes within which they roam. Aggression is their language, blood their currency, victory in battle or glorious death their creed. They prowl the waste for sustenance. Their fierce warriors raid deep into other clans' boundaries in pursuit of riches and renown. They strike without warning. They ran a hellstorm of arrows from above, and the thunderous rumble of fire and hoofbeats announces their presence across the plateau. They are implacable, incendiary, irresistible. They are the Mardu Horde. Though they live in a time that has not seen dragons for ages, the clans of Tarkir are exposed to their memories through ossified remains and distant wisdom. Each clan views the dragon as a sublime being and fully embraces one aspect of its character. The Mardu Horde reveres the dragon's speed and relies on its swiftness, felt in its massive wings to survive. They are a loosely affiliated conglomeration of disparate war chiefs and cunning warriors that range across Tarkir's desolate steppes. These bands of nomadic fighters, shepherds and laypeople, are shaped by the harsh reality of their environs. Rocky crags, barren wastes, offer little nourishment, so Mardu have learned to live off the land through constant motion. The earth is fickle. Who can predict when next the rains will come? Enemy warbands lurk beyond the horizon. Life's a constant struggle made tolerable through alacrity and adaptability. Mardu have no permanent residence. Their horde is their home. They travel only with necessities, unloading themselves of the heavy burden of niceties enjoyed by other clans. What emerges are a lean people, forged in the crucible of difficulty, with an understanding of life's temperamentality. This sentiment is passed in the flavor text of Nomad Outpost. Only the weak imprison themselves behind walls. We live free under the wind, and our freedom makes us strong. The Mardu are deeply connected to red mana, specifically its aspects of speed, freedom, emotion, and unpredictability. They pride themselves with a haste imbued through the dragon's wings. No steed is faster, no arrow strikes sure, no blade cuts cleaner. We hear of their overwhelming pace in the art and flavor text of Rush of Battle, which reads, The Mardu charge reflects the dragon's speed and its hunger. And their aggressive urges are symbolized in the clan's raid mechanic. This ability favors lightning strikes, impassioned by bloodlust, and rewards such attacks with the bounties of a successful battle. Raiding is a core tenant to the Mardu way. Without struggle and dominance, they would be claimed by the steppes. Their nature is reflective in the native gorswine, and a contemplative warrior states, The Mardu are like the gorswine. We are wild, hunt in packs, and rarely clean the blood from our blades. The temerity of red is fueled by the ambitious self-fulfillment of black mana. Death is abundant on the plateau. It surrounds Mardu constantly. It's integral to their nature. 
For a Mardu warrior, nothing is so honorable or desirous as a heroic death surrounded by countless foes, and one's own achievement in life is extolled by the death caused. We see this in the illustration of Mardu's skull hunter, and the clan's relentless aggression is given in the flavor text of Blood-Soaked Champion, which reads, Death is merely another foe the Mardu will overcome. A tempering force for the Mardu is found in the honor and ethics derived from white mana. Though victory is of the utmost import, though survival imperative, a strict code guides the horde. They detest what is cowardly. They loathe dishonorable combat. The Mardu also rely on community. They thrive in large numbers. They're not called the horde for lack of members. White mana offers unity between horde chiefs. It harnesses their bloodlust and directs it in collective purpose. We see this on display in Mardu Horde Chief, whose flavor text reads, The Horde grows with each assault. The delicate balance of these three colors is epitomized within the Mardu Khan, an orc warrior of great renown, whose ire and whose skill in battle know no equal. Zergo Helmsmasher rules through example and intimidation. He stirs passions, rallies morale, and crushes dissent with fear. We're witness to his peerless mastery in cards like Utter End and Despise, whose flavor text reads, You have returned from fire, traitor. This time, I will see you leave as ashes. Mardu achieve victory on the steps through agile feints and counter moves, precise surgical strikes, and sheer strength of force. On the open plain, two things make them unstoppable and ensure plunder abounds. The first is their mastery of the saddle and premier horsemanship. While steering beasts fleet of foot, they're able to outpace routed armies, divert forces at a moment's notice, and ambush from nowhere. Cards like Ride Down and Valley Dasher highlight a Mardu warrior's agility, the flavor text of which reads, Mardu riders' greatest fear is that a battle might end before their weapons draw blood. But horses are not all that is ridden into battle. The bellowing saddle brute and the Mardu Rough Rider showcase large beasts of war saddled and ridden into the fray to crush enemy front lines. The second masterful skill possessed by most Mardu that functions in tandem with riding is their inimitable archery. Unparalleled with the bow, Mardu archers can pierce the heart with a surgeon's accuracy while at full gallop more than 100 meters away. This is illustrated in The Art of Killshot, the text of which reads, Mardu archers are trained in Dakla, the way of the bow. They never miss their target no matter how small, how fast, or how far away. We see the finest craft on display in Heartpiercer bow, and it's wielded to perfection by a mounted warrior in Mardu Heartpiercer. When hundreds of such fighters are amassed, the result is devastation, swift victory. The culmination of these skills is beautifully illustrated in Arrowstorm. First the thunder, then the rain. Though Mardu are often seen as thoughtless berserkers, raving desecrators with little concern for life or future, they have developed out of necessity a strict warrior's code and a hierarchy within which Horde society functions. Three simple tenets, dictated by the Edicts of Elagra, the first Mardu Khan, form the warrior's code, the foundation for harmonious living. To conquer is to eat. This tenet symbolizes the need for nomadic migration, for taking by force what is required for survival. On the steppes, where little is given freely, Mardu must possess through conquest the sustaining riches of battle. This edict is the flavor text of raiders' spoils, but it posits a reason for bloodshed and violence. Through this proclamation, brutal, pointless killing is abhorred. 
need not fancy drive thoughts of conquest. To rule is to bleed. The second edict highlights where Mardu chieftains and khans derive their authority. The horde leads by example. Only the most skilled, most ruthless warriors can claim primacy, and through such they maintain control. Mardu khans are measured and revered not just by the blood of enemies spilled to water the chalked earth, but also by the blood they have given in combat for the horde. Wounds are sigils, scars, badges of honor. This instills a fiery passion for combat heard in the flavor text of War Flare. No sun or fire can warm my blood quite like a war flare. Victory or death. The third edict bans cowardice, decries retreat, leaves no room for loss. What makes the horde so devastating is their frenzied attack, their relentless assault. Retreat is not once thought. Morale is never broken. They are berserkers whose blades fall silent only when they or their foe lies dead. This is seen in the card Alesha who smiles at death the flavor text of which succinctly states, Greet death with sword in hand. And again in Arkbond, Alesha says, If you must die today, make your death worthy of legend. Mardu society is a meritocracy determined by deeds achieved and riches gained. Zergo stands unopposed as the domineering Khan of the Horde. Below him sit the Horde chiefs and elders comprising his chieftain circle. They have the most military experience, martial prowess, and blatant ambitions. Each horde chief relies on hundreds of elite warriors. For the Mardu, this caste is the bedrock of society, what many aspire to, what is revered and called upon to execute duty. They possess the best arms and armaments, they maintain several mounts, and they are trained in brutally efficient combat, but not all warriors are equal. Skill coincides with spoils. Younger green Mardu lack mounts or weapons, as well as a war name. These soft heels must undergo a rite of blood and conquest by achieving brutal acts of honor on the field. Once an enemy is slain, a Mardu is granted their war name. We see this ritual in War Name Aspirant. Outside of the warriors exist their relatives, retainers, slaves, and the lay people of the clan. Though not as celebrated, these lower members tend livestock, craft weapons and wear, and sustain the day-to-day. The Mardu are a heterogeneous mixture of various steppe cultures and races, bound by duty and need. Humans comprise a large contingent of versatile warriors both mounted and on foot, skilled at range as well as in vicious melee. They can be found in all echelons of society, from peasant to chieftain, and in connection with all colors of mana. The humanoid, hulking, aggressive, and vile race of orcs are plentiful in the Horde, where their innate bloodlust and tendency for brutality are lauded qualities cherished by the clan. Zergo is their most prominent member, securing for himself the position of Khan. Many orcs of the Mardu have a close association to black mana's ruthless ambition and depravity. Their dark nature is on display in cards like Battle Brawler and Brutal Horde Chief. A more diminutive but no less numerous race of scurrying, furry goblins also claim membership to the Horde. These tiny creatures embody the sting, the reckless glee and chaos of red mana. Goblin berserkers take to the field in droves, slicing feet while foes are preoccupied elsewhere, seen in ankle shanker and goblin heel cutter. They are deployed as surveyors, instigators, and agitators. The flavor text of Mardu Scout reads, The Mardu all enjoy war, but only the goblins make a game of it. Mardu don't suffer goblins without consequence. They are a nuisance to be tolerated, but many in their ranks hold no love for goblins, which we can infer in the flavor text of Hordling Outburst. Leave no scraps, 
lest you attract pests. The various Mardu races and their beasts of war create a maelstrom of ill-contained rage, energy and bloodlust unleashed on the steps to devastating effect. They are a scourge to all in their way. For the Mardu, the time of Khans has passed into impossible myth, this branch of reality severed by the actions of Sarkhan Vol. Their fate, much like that of the other clans, has been reforged. Their new reality, dominated by soaring, voracious, and savage dragons, no longer extinct. With the invigoration of dragon storms on Tarkir, the clans found themselves not merely engaged in intrigue amongst another, but in a struggle for existence against rapacious, implacable dragon broods. With the subsequent Khanfall, the clans were swallowed and subsumed by draconic overlords, their ultimate fates dependent on the whims of such powerful creatures. The Mardu Horde held no great battle, no heroic struggle. Defeat and integration into the dragon broods came subtly. Kulagan, elder dragon of the lightning-swift brood, was disinterested in enslavement or conquest of the Mardu. She didn't attack with intent of extinction, nor did she try to lead them. This didn't, however, engender peace between Mardu and the dragon. Rather, the horde and brood saw another as natural competition in the struggle to survive on Tarkir's inhospitable steps. Alesha, then Khan of the Mardu, saw the dragons as equals and admired their ruthless speed, their graceful agility. The edicts of Alagra outlined Mardu ethics, so naturally the fiercest warrior, the strongest leader, the most punishing ruler, rightfully belonged to Dragonlord Kulagan herself. Old banners fell and standards grew tattered as Mardu chiefs voluntarily submitted themselves to the awesome power of the dragon. In time, however, the Mardu code was forgotten, the edicts banned, the position of Khan abolished. Kulagan assumed greater power, brutally crushing any trace of disobedience. At last their transformation was complete. The Mardu horde ceased, its members now number among Kulagan's brood. The old Mardu are reflective of their new leader, they are fiercer, more aggressive, brutal and self-serving. Their codes have degenerated into a blood-crazed frenzy, and the community they once shared has dissolved. This is symbolized in the loss of white mana for humanoid members of Kulagan. The clan fully embraces the dragon's speed and her lightning. They channel bolts of electricity to stun or astonish, seen in cards like Kulagan Forerunners and Stormsinger. Overwhelming agility is apparent in the dash mechanic on several cards referring to Kulagan warriors' ability to strike without warning. Their haste is twofold. First, the crave, the lust for blood, boils and impassions warriors before combat, which we hear in the flavor text of Kulagan Aspirant. She answers the call of the crave, the desire for battle stated only by bloodshed. The second is because their dragonlord's ire knows not friend from foe. They fight swiftly to stay ahead of the frenzy stoked within Kulagan's heart. This is given to us in the flavor text of Kulagan's skirmisher. Kulagan's army rushes from kill to kill, desperate to avoid the dragon's wrath. Mardu, a name that evokes fear in those against it and stokes mania in those for it. The horde, like a ravenous swarm of locusts, descends upon Tarkir's steps and leaves only ruin in its wake. It's a clan of hardy, adaptable, and peerless warriors whose life is conflict and whose home is wherever the saddle leads them. They are aggressive, at times heartless, but ruled by a code centered on martial achievement and bloody honor. They kill to live, raid to resupply, and conquer from necessity. As swift as a bolt of lightning, as ruinous as the following thunder, 
They represent the wings of the dragon, indefatigable and unstoppable. They are the Mardu Horde. Thanks so much for watching and listening to this video on the Mardu Horde, and stay tuned for following videos discussing Tarkir's other clans. Now I want to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts on Zergo and the Mardu, Kuligan and her brood, as well as suggestions for future videos in the comments below. And if you're a fan of lore and storytelling, be sure to subscribe to the channel, check out the podcast where content is uploaded frequently. I want to thank my amazing supporters over on Patreon who make all of this possible, and I couldn't do it without their fantastic support. If you'd like to become a lore luminary for access to me, a great community, written scripts and early video drops, head to patreon.com slash thelorebrarians to learn more. Until next time, go forth and explore the lore.